Turn up your radio. It's time for DeLorean Talk with your host, Dave Tavers. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of DeLorean Talk. I'm Dave Tavers, VIN 10515, uh, calling out of Las Vegas, Nevada now. As always, I'm happy that people tune in and people like the show. I love getting the feedback and just love talking to people everywhere about their DeLorean stories. I'm excited, as usual, to have uh, somebody special on, I think. I think uh, Ken Konslick is one of the rock stars in the community, in the DeLorean community around the world, and he's joining me today. Hey, Ken, thanks for taking the time. Oh, no problem. Enjoy being here. You have been in the community for a really long time. You ran 20 years of DCS shows, the DeLorean Convention and Show, right? It was uh, almost 20 years. Uh, if you include the planning in that, it's pretty much 20 years. I think the shows ran for over a 16-year period, uh, start to finish. Wow. When was the first one? First one was 1998. 98. Where was that at? That was uh, the first show was right here in Cincinnati. Cincinnati, Ohio. I did it right. I did it right down at the Union Terminal. I tried to find a place that had the clock tower, shall we say, from Back to the Future. <laughs> nice. And they had a clock that was very similar on the front of their building. It's a beautiful structure, great for the car show. And I just decided to go ahead and do a show. Nice. So I definitely want to talk more about DCS in general and your best and worst stories and all that stuff, but let's go back a step. <laughs> How did you first get involved with DeLoreans? Do you remember your first VIN number? What got you interested in the car? Of course you do. <laughs> my first VIN number is my current VIN number, 16684. It was the one that I purchased from Charles DeLorean. Holy cow. What's that story? Well, it's kind of a weird story, but I had actually gotten ill. And one of the things the doctor had suggested to try to occupy my mind to get a hobby. I had not been working on cars for years and I was doing work and traveling and stuff. And so I decided to get a car. So I bought a Jaguar. Uh, that was nice, but it didn't really fit the bill of what I wanted to do. And I was in Washington, DC on business and I saw a DeLorean go by and they had DeLorean on the license plate, coincidentally. And, uh, I thought that was a cool car. Obviously I recognize it from the back of the future as well. And uh, DeLorean Cadillac is only about five streets from where my wife grew up. I knew exactly where that was. Wow. And I went up there and I uh, you know, walked into the dealership where I met uh, Mark DeLorean and a couple other people. And they showed me the DeLoreans. I wasn't there to buy or anything. I just wanted to look. And they put one on a rack and did all sorts of stuff. And I went home. And a couple of weeks later, they called me back and said, well, Mark has a painted one. He's going to have his car here. Why don't you come up and we'll show you that one too. So I came up, talked to Charles again and Mark and met Jody. And uh, we talked a little bit and I was on my way home. And on my way home, Charles DeLorean called my house and told my wife, your you know, husband seems to be pretty interested in the car. <laughs> I don't fit in it anymore. I have the car that he looked at the last time. If you'd like it, I'll sell it to him. Wow. I get home. My wife had this look on her face. Of, what is something wrong? And she's like, guess who called? And it was Charles <laughs> DeLorean. So I bought the car from Charles DeLorean. Who is Charles and Mark DeLorean? I actually don't know those names. Charles DeLorean is John's brother. And he ran DeLorean Cadillac in Cleveland, Ohio. Mark and Jody are niece and nephew. Wow. So uh, they were at the Cleveland show in 2000. Well, Mark was, Jody wasn't. And uh, Charles at the time had uh, some surgery, so he was not available. He was planning on coming, but he couldn't. Long story short, I got the car from Charles DeLorean, and I picked it up, and I have a picture that I use all the time of John DeLorean standing by my car 
that Mark DeLorean's attempt to run for Cleveland, I don't know, it was mayor, council, or whatever he was running for. Wow. And that was in 2000. And I went up there, and John looked at my car and said, this is better than they look when they came off the showroom. <laughs> so uh, I thought that was kind of nice. So I have that picture, which I use on a poster all the time. Awesome. Maybe you'll, uh, you could email that to me. I could use that as your uh, episode photo. Or wait, are you oh, in the photo as well? Photos. Yeah, of course. Okay, good. Oh, that's awesome. Why would I have a picture of John DeLorean with my car if I'm not going to be in it? <laughs> so. And so you have a painted DeLorean. No. Oh, it, what, I that, not. Okay. Mark DeLorean was painted. Got I it. bought Charles DeLorean, which was not painted. And Jody also had a DeLorean. Now, Mark and Jody, from what I understand, still have theirs. I, of course, have Charles. Wow, that's amazing. And by the way, my car has had the most DeLoreans in it. My <laughs> car has had John DeLorean, Charles DeLorean, Mark DeLorean, Jody DeLorean. It's the first DeLorean that Catherine ever drove. Wow. She drove it through Brexham Metropolitan Park and almost got T-boned. <laughs> and uh, it was recently in the movie Framing John DeLorean, the car you see Zach DeLorean sit in is my car. Wow. I've seen and heard a bunch of stuff about you over the few years that I've been an owner, and I I was thankful and excited to Hopefully meet you. Good. <laughs> oh, all good. And I was very excited to meet you at DCS last, last year, uh, 2018, finally. Mm -hmm. But we didn't get a chance to talk that much. You were, you know, every, a lot of stuff going on, and I didn't want to be uh, foaming at the mouth all, oh, my gosh, I want to, you know, talk to you. But I'm, I'm glad that we finally got on to do this call. So that's fine. You're interest in DeLorean started because your doctor said, find a hobby. You got a Jag. Yeah. And then you end up seeing a DeLorean go by. And what was it that uh, you knew about it from Back to the Future? But what else did you know about the DeLorean that made you say, oh, I want to get one of those? Absolutely nothing. I knew nothing about the car <laughs> other than it was in you know Back to the Future. It, it looked nice. I remembered it from the thing, and I'd never seen one up close. Wow. I just... I knew where one was going to be, and it just triggered me to go take a look at it. And then from there, I started making phone calls. I talked to Bern Henniger down in the south there near, I forget the city now in, in Georgia, and I called up at Bernstein. So those were the two that I started talking to. And after I talked to them and got a little more interested, that's when I decided to go up to see the one at Charles Place. What year was that again? That was 1996, I believe. Well, and the first DCS was when? 1998. 98. So you barely had the car two years, and you put together a big, well, I say big event. How big was that first DCS in 98? Uh, it was about 230 people. What? And 72 cars. And 72, you had the car, you... You were not involved with DeLorean two years prior to that, and all of a sudden you've got a giant car show. That is yeah. amazing. I just got on the phone. I started calling people. Yep. I got every phone number I could get, started calling and trying to get people to show up. Uh, I got the uh, Mid-Atlantic group uh, to buy in with their Eastern Regional. Uh, that was the first group, and what I did is instead of going after individuals, I went after groups. I found out there were groups, so rather than trying to do an individual thing, I hit the groups and then try to get the groups involved. And I got two or three groups involved, the DCO, the Learning Club of Ohio, and the Eastern, uh, you know, the Mid-Atlantic group. I got those two involved, and um, I started talking to the group down in Georgia and you know, a couple other fractions that were being talked to, but it turned out I ended up getting 72 people. <laughs> 72 cars. Yeah, that oh, is cars. Yes, I'm sorry. That's pretty amazing. But uh, we did quite well with that. It was a uh, three-day event, and it went over. I wasn't envisioning anything like the way it turned out. <laughs> the way I started, it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. The location was perfect. If you see some of the pictures from that, which are on, you can see them on the website, theLearningCarshow.com. Okay. The thing what people enjoy is you could follow the shows on the web page, and there's thousands of pictures if you follow all of the different links and stuff that are on there. The other thing I made the car show, uh, what started the car show, you didn't ask me that, okay? Yeah. And the car show was started because I went to the Nashville car show for the DeLorean Owners Association. 
And that's where I met a whole bunch of people down there. But I noticed that only the concourse cars were looked at. And if you had a non-concourse car, you were not considered as being worthy of being in this you know, show, so to speak. And I thought that was kind of uh, odd. Uh, I thought all DeLorean owners should be, you know, taken care of. Yeah. I had a concourse car. I finished, you know, I think second in that one. And, uh, you know, I was really happy at the time. You know, it's like, hey, this is really pretty cool. When I tried to talk to members of the DOA at the time, they told me that, you know, they run the show and they control everything. And uh, I specific, and everybody knows this isn't any hidden secret. Sure, no. I had a conversation with Ed Bernstein, Bernstein. And he told me that, you know, a, a show in Cincinnati would never work. <laughs> and if I told him, well, I'll do one. He says, if you do one, only outlaws and renegades will show up. <laughs> that was his exact word. And, you know, he knows it. It's just kind of a joke between us. I have sure. no animosity towards Ed Bernstein. We've sure. had our, our fun over the years uh, and stuff. And that's basically, uh, I've enjoyed their shows. And he has treated me wonderfully when I go to their shows. And I have my shows. And yeah. they're two different shows. They work great. And I wish, you know, both of them were, you know, well, we still have DCS going. But yeah. Yeah, I, I wish that the the DOA shows would continue because it was a different version of a, of a show. Right. And it was really kind of nice to have both. Having more options is good. It's better, yeah. Yeah, and it attracts different people, different parts of the country or world. Yeah. So that, that first year, you did not expect to have that kind of a turnout. Or you did expect Oh, yes, I did. You did. Oh, yeah. I wanted that kind of turnout. I was going to have that kind of turnout. Because that's the whole point, you know. Yeah. I, I knew what there was in, in Nashville, and for me to turn around and be able to have something that could succeed, I needed to match. So I, I was going to make sure it happened. I'm a planner, and that's what I do. <laughs> so, didn't surprise me that we had, you know, I was targeting 50 cars, which was more than what was at Nashville, not knowing how many were out there. Mm -hmm. Well, the DeLorean Club of Ohio there was quite a few cars there and the Midwest, there was quite a few cars there and I started pulling cars from Chicago. So that was a good enough center and we're centered well enough that that's why this worked so well. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of cars in, in the, in the Midwest, thing. although there's supposed to be a lot more in, in Florida and a lot more in California. I don't see the numbers showing up. Yeah, and you've they never did. over 20 years, you uh, have done the numbers. I, I, I talked to you briefly at DCS that one of your things was you picked a spot based on the number of cars that had shown up previously and showed interest. And that's mm -hmm. that's why you were so successful. Did you? Yeah, I, I look at a 600 mile radius and how many cars are in that radius? 600 mile radius. From that first show, was this something you thought to yourself, oh, we're going to do it every year, every year, every year, or when it turned out well? Did other people tell you, hey, you got to keep doing it? How did that, how did that progress into a, every other? Uh, I already knew, I already knew what was going on in Cincinnati. I had the numbers. I had pretty good you know, registration. Uh, I had already looked in Cleveland for, which was the second show. I had already talked to John DeLorean and once and thought that that was a possibility. I was going to use, you know, obviously his brother, Charles, and Mark, as you know, hosts at the show, which Mark did. He did a wonderful job. And they, of course, felt it would be good to have John come out too. So that was a natural second show. Yeah. And uh, and that and we included the Bricklands in that show for and uh, the Bricklin and the um, Lotuses that oh. were similar to the DeLorean at the time because sure. the Lotus frame and all that kind of stuff. Right. So we had Lotuses and Bricklands at that show, which started me thinking that if I needed to fill numbers, because I would go to a hotel, if you don't have the majority of the rooms, you don't control it. I yeah. need to control the hotel. Right. So I need to book enough rooms that I own the hotel. And uh, that's what I've done over the years. It's nice when you walk in and, you know, how many rooms do you have? Well, we got 300 rooms. Okay, I'll take them. Okay, sir, what do you want? <laughs> right. Yeah, then they're much more yeah, willing well. to uh, say, yeah, how many rooms do you need? How many showrooms or conference rooms do you need and what else is it right yeah. right the biggest area that i got and the largest show 
space-wise was the one that was in Gettysburg. 2008. That was 83,000 square feet. Yeah. Wow. 83,000 square feet of convention space. That was probably the most difficult show to coordinate what was going on because I had two different places to do it. And we also had the Brooklyn convention with us and they brought a lot of cars too. Wow. So we had 153 cars, I think at that one. And they had like a whole bunch of Brooklyn's too. And we occupied all the towers inside that. So I owned that venue. It was easy to do, you know, the, uh, rooms in that were, were all ours. We had all the conventions. I had everything I needed there. So, uh, you know, that worked out fairly well. I was not focusing on a lot of the talks and stuff during the show, which I will give Rich great credit for on the show when he took it over. He, that's how he changed the show for me. I concentrated more on the car, the people, and the dinners and the event. I didn't concentrate because um, I couldn't do it and handle everything else. Sure. I didn't concentrate the actual guest speakers doing their seminars and things like that. Rich took that part and made it his key. And I think he's done a great job on that. Whereas I took the, the dinners and made it more into a show yeah. as versus a convention, Yeah. which is why he is DeLorean car show convention and show. Whereas I am DeLorean car show. Ah, thank you for correcting me on that. DeLorean car show versus DeLorean convention and show. It worked out. Yeah, well, I was going to just hand Rich over the, you know, reins to DeLorean car show. But two things ran into a problem. Number one, it had to be filed in a different state. He's in a different state. So me giving that up and giving him the name and everything didn't quite make that much sense. Sure. His show was different. So why not change it? Let him do the new articles. And it made it easier for tax purposes because I didn't want to get confused with the IRS and stuff like that because we – I'm a C3. Sure. And, um, you know, he did what he did. So we just decided to make a clear break. I still own DeLorean Car Show. Got it. He owns DeLorean Car Show and Convention, although it's the show I had that I gave to him to continue on. Sure. And with my blessings and everything. He's done a great job. Yeah, and – I've been to two DCSs now. I've I've actually owned my car four years ago, and I've been to two of the DCSs. Were absolutely fantastic. It still breaks my heart that I missed your last one. I've heard mm-hmm. everybody that's been in the community for more than <laughs> ten years talks about how amazing that last was. It Dayton, yes, the Dayton, Ohio DCS, which was just unbelievably amazing. Everybody's minds are blown from that. So it kills me that I wasn't around for that, but uh, I'm. The fact that I get to talk to you and, and meet more people and DCS is still going is wonderful for, for me and all the new owners. Well, the one thing I would encourage everybody to do on the DCS 2014, the one thing that sticks in my mind that made that different than any other show was a stupid little thing that happened. Somebody called me up and said, hey, Ken, I got some kids that want to put on a play for DCS. And they did it in high school. It's a 17-minute production. Can we do it at your show? And at first, I kind of blew it off. Uh, I thought this was going to be, you know, rinky-dink, whatever. I went and saw the show, and it was good. And we had 70 kids on a stage with 600 people watching them uh, because we had 2,000 people there that day. Now, they were just there to see the cars. They weren't there for the, you know, the dinners and stuff, but they were just off the street people. Yeah. And we had 600 people packed in this room. We had a wedding proposal. We had all of the Back to the Future cast members, and there are mini-me's on stage. The musical is on DeLoreanCarshow.com. Go about halfway down, and you'll see the the video play the video what these and you can see the video uh other people had the full video on there but um these kids put on a very high energy show and usually by saturday afternoon everybody's beat yeah and this just pumped extra energy into the audience that carried through in that dinner because after three dinners three days of deloreans you're kind of tired <laughs> that threw that extra energy and I really think that was one of the big factors, besides, of course, having Christopher Lloyd and some of the other members there that couldn't were Don't at normally some of the other go to shows. things. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Bob Gale's always been a great you know, supporter of this, yeah. as well as the other cast members. 
and, and that Jeffrey Wiseman usually helps me up on stage. So, you know, we've always had good stuff. Donald Full of Love and all, and all the rest of them are great on stage. Yeah. Claudia Wells has been coming since 2002. We've had some of them coming for quite a long time. Others of them, not so, you know, like Christopher Lloyd, it was the first time he had a blast. Sure, sure. So he got to ride the monster, you know, the monster, you know, T-Rex. Uh, T-Rex, yeah. And, uh, you know, he got to ride in the stretch limo. <laughs> well, got to sit in the stretch limo. Sit I don't think it. he rode in it. But, right. You know, there's things like that that happened. We had a car that was completely beat up, being refurbished right there on the spot by the couple that ended up getting engaged. And, and it's, they said it all in their running video that was recorded. So that was a good story. We even had R2-D2 show up. <laughs> now, how many DeLorean shows have R2-D2? Just amazing. There's all sorts of weird things that, that we do. And my idea was to have fun, include everybody, and just make it happen. Yeah. It's funny because I followed a similar format. I started seeing myself getting kind of a little bit into a rut. After Gettysburg, we were starting to think that maybe we, we were peaking. And what we wanted to do is we didn't want to have it go down. You know, and end on a, a, a you know a sour note or something. Sure. We wanted to end on a high note. Uh, that 2014 show was a high note. Yeah, like I said, I've I've heard a lot of people talk about it, and wish I was there. But I'm glad that the show is still going. Yeah, I just don't know what I could have done to top it. I mean, <laughs> I pulled out all my stops. Yeah. And that was it. Fantastic. When I first got my car, I didn't know that DCS was a thing. It, thankfully, the owners that I met in Southern California were like, oh, DCS is coming up. In fact, it was less than a year after I'd gotten my car. And mm -hmm. they tell me about it. And I'm like, okay, it's, you know, across the country. It's a couple of days, hotel, travel, all that stuff. But I was in because I was so hooked. Absolutely loved mm -hmm. it. And I push everybody. I'm like, you have to go to DCS. It is, it's just a must. There, there's no question. But a lot of people don't do it. It's time and money, but it's a pretty rare and fantastic experience. So I, I will not miss a DCS for sure because there's so many other people there. I literally today have friends that I've met at DCS and DeLorean Weekend in Las Vegas, and mm -hmm. I, I talk to them weekly at least, you know, or, or monthly at least. So a lot of great people to meet and connect with, a lot of great stories mm -hmm. out there. And that's why I was so excited yeah, to meet well, you because you're you're such a rock star and and did such an amazing thing with DCS over the years. Yeah, well, I'm amazed at the number of people that during the show that is being run, always could run the show better than what you can. And I think what's funny is when the show went away, <laughs> there's only two people that Stepped picked up. it up. Yeah. And, and, and you know, you, you got to thank Rich and his brother. Yeah. Everybody talked the talk. Not very many people could walk the walk. Yeah. No one really realizes what goes on, how much dedication and time it took. Yep. There was I traveled for my regular job. I would travel all over the country. Now, if you go back to Pigeon Forge, they, I was traveling all over the country, and I would go and visit all of the different DeLorean clubs throughout. You know, the Arizona Club became very instrumental in this thing. The folks from you know Utah, believe it or not, there's a you know in that area there's a whole bunch of people that ended up Oklahoma. Uh, there was people from Oklahoma. There was the Oklahoma contingency, as we called them, <laughs> would show up. We had many, many states represented. And what I did is I made it kind of fun. And I used to throw out fun facts. Here's how many people from each state, which state had the most, and blah, blah, blah. And it yeah. just continued on. And I went through the whole thing. And I would put these fun facts down and stuff. And it was kind of interesting. And it kept people interested. And also, my wife and I are into the foods. For a while, we were doing the desserts and stuff and doing some of our own cooking to keep costs down. And it got to the point where I, we just couldn't handle the volume with what we're doing <laughs> and put it in the car and all with right. everything else. Cause we had, <laughs> we had you know, three, four, five trailers. Oh, uh, but going back to what I was saying before, uh, what kind of put an end to this, uh, started to put an end to the show, was that we had um, Cliff Schmucker was a key instrument in helping me. Uh, he took over the stage, which then allowed me to do more things with the show and uh, get get some more planning in there that I wouldn't have normally had the time to do. Yeah. And he took that off my back, 
that allowed me to get into, we do the costumes, uh, like in Gettysburg, we dressed up in Gettysburg's costumes. Anybody that was helping with the show that I had on stage, I went out and bought an actual Civil War costume for. <laughs> nice. And we, we, we did that, uh, you know, we, I was always in a tux. I don't know if you heard about that. Or I not. have. <laughs> or the blue shorts. Yeah. You know, always so in the shorts. shorts became a thing after the first show. It, it, what happens? Nobody knew who I was. And it was, hey, go see the guy in the blue, blue shorts. <laughs> so when I went to Cleveland, the first day I didn't wear blue shorts. And everybody said, where's your blue shorts? <laughs> what do you mean? Well, you're the guy in the blue shorts. It, it, it became kind of funny. And no, it wasn't the same shorts every year. <laughs> I had uh, th those are very common style, and I had plenty of pairs. I had about eight or ten pairs of blue shorts, <laughs> so um, I made sure that that it, we kept the cost down by making our own T-shirts. We made our own awards in a lot of cases. Nice. Did a lot of stuff, so we got into the graphics and things like that. We published our own magazine. Uh, we weren't getting favorable coverage in other magazines. <laughs> Right. And decided to do our own, yeah. which was pretty successful at the beginning. But then it was more due to people going and getting things done online versus having a magazine. Right. When I started, magazines were popular. By the time I ended, we did 16 magazines, I believe. It was just to the point that people wanted they, they wanted the magazine for free. They wanted it online. And right. It's like, no, yep. too much work. Yep. At least I got my cost covered the other way. Right. That is something that I like talking to people about is how drastically the DeLorean community has changed because of the internet. You know, the car came out yeah. 81, 82, 83, and we, most people know that history in the 80s. But then by the 90s, all of a sudden cars start, started showing up for sale. You start DCS. There's a fair number of clubs starting. You with the clubs were already there. The clubs were there from the you know, the breakup of the DOA, so the clubs right. were there. Yeah, but I mean, you though with DCS went from kind of not quite pre-internet because '98 being the first show, I did tech support for Internet in a Box in '94. Uh, so it, it would been it would been around a couple of years, but it wasn't popular yet. I had a website and I had that done, but I would say that 90% of it was phone calls. Right. You know, there was there not many people had the computers, so right. it didn't do me much good. So most of most of '98 was phone calls. By 2000, it was pretty much internet. Yeah. And by 2014, all the years you had done it, I'm assuming that the internet just changed. Hopefully, made it easier for you to do the show and spread the word. No, it made it more difficult. How so? Because at first it was just DMC news. And DMC News was on there, and you had one focal center point. Right. And so you did that. As you got more people, you had younger people now, because now the cars are getting older. You had young people. You had older people. You have my generation. You have the generation that's above mine, okay, that, that, that had these things before First owners. my generation. Yeah. We're going through almost three generations here. Yeah. The original group that I've hung around with. Many of them have passed on. The second generation, which is my age, they're not active anymore right now, most of them. This goes back with Dave Swingle and Marty Meyer and all them, right. uh, Bruce Benson, all those. I mean, these guys were the, the, the main body. You don't see them that much anymore. Not to say that Dave doesn't come to a show or that, but it's, it's you know, we ran it. Yeah. And we're not doing it now. Right. And the next generation was of younger kids went different directions. I was one of the first, I was the outlaw, the outcast. I actually <laughs> looked at cars that were modified and rewarded that in yeah. the DeLorean. The, the, the DOA, you had to be you know, stock. Now my car's uh, stock, my car's concourse, that's how I like it, but I opened up to any you know version. We had modified cars, we had everything you can think of, stainless frames, all that kind of stuff. So uh, you know, we were into all that. The kids then tended to pick up, you know, the next generation, Pat Conlins and, you know, all that. You know, Patrick did some great things. I sold him a car and he took the car and just, you know, it's one of the prettiest cars out there right now. So you'll, you'll see that they run different than what I run. Sure. 
and and they do different things. That's the key is you're open to it, and not everybody is. Right, but they do more of their stuff online and and do their comparisons back and forth. Uh, Kevin, right now, as you you probably met him at uh, the Las Vegas weekend, you know he he's doing all this great graphics and stuff. It's online and stuff. Uh, he was to the shows. His creativity is different. Their the level and what they're doing with the cars is different. Yeah, and it's harder now. If I had to run a show now, I'd have a difficult time getting a hold of people. Uh, there's DMC talk, there's this, there's that. There's a lot of different forum, forums. So sure. if you want to get people involved, you got to go on a multiple of different forums. Before it was just one or two. Right. Yeah, right. it was just one or two. But now there's Facebook, now there's Twitter, now there's this. So not everybody now is on DMC News. Not everybody now is on DMC talk. Right. I mean, with DMC News, I had everybody captive in one <laughs> shot. Yep. Okay. With DMC talk, okay, now I got two forums. Okay, now I got Twitter. Now I got Facebook. Now I got you know and, and LinkedIn. Now I got on DeloreanTalk.com. Right. I've got a list of all the Facebook pages and groups that I can find, and there are I don't know sixty of them. So yeah, it's yeah. and that's just Facebook. It's difficult. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But the next generation of owners, and like you said, you're you're second generation. I'm third generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course, there's still some I say older people, but. There's a lot of younger people that are buying the car now and loving it. And right. I don't want to say bringing it back to life, but I feel like it sounds like there was a lull for in the, I don't know, mid 2000s, mid 2010s when things slowed down and then back well, to the future. Well, that's because of the economy. Economy. And then you know, the economy slowed down. And then back to the future anniversary came around. The prices of the cars went up. People got more excited about it and – Seems like it's hung on pretty well. There's a lot of cars that are don't see cars stay well, stay for sale for very long now. There, there's also a difference too because a lot of the cars back even in the 90s they had gotten the novelty was over. They were starting to get beat up. There was a lot of rust happening on some of the cars because people drove them, and you know they started rusting on the frames. So there's a lot of things going on. People didn't know how to take care of them necessarily. Then K-Pack had the parts. There's a little different package that's out there now. Right. There's a lot more people, vendors, to go help with fix the car, repair them, keep them on the road, plus right. the knowledge of right. so many great owners that have fixed their cars and then helped the rest of the community. Well, I personally have put at least 50 cars back on the road. And I and I wanted to get to that as well because I don't know what your original business is, but it sounds like you had a DeLorean shop for a long time. Is that right? Yeah, I still have it. It didn't go away. It's still there. It's just that this is what I'm trying to make the point. Uh, one of the things is most of the cars are working now. There's more cars now working than there were back when I started this. Wow. Uh, the shows had a lot to do with it because people had wanted to get their cars ready for the shows and stuff. The enthusiasm was there. Yeah. So there are all the cars here in Cincinnati work. So I don't need to do the shop, <laughs> and I was getting burned out anyway. Sure. You know, I went to four different groups of cars, fixing all the cars. They're all fixed. There's, and now they, <laughs> people know how to take care of them. Yeah. They're not falling apart as fast. And when they do, they just bring them in, and it's a simple fix as opposed to, you know, bringing in a car that hasn't run for three years. Or 10. They know they have to run them. They know they have to replace the batteries. Yeah. They know they have to do something with the air conditioning. Sure. They know, they know, they know. They yeah. were taught through the shop, you know, whether it be mine or Cliff's or Dave Bowerly's up here. Uh, yeah. So there are a number of shops here in, in Cincinnati. We just work it on DeLorean today. Okay. I'm <laughs> taking apart of an engine to rebuild. Uh, you know, I, I've got an old engine that I hadn't done anything with it. And it's just sitting there. So we decided to just go ahead and rebuild it. Nice. rebuild the engine and throw it into a car. I uh, don't know whose car it's going to get, but <laughs> there'll be a new engine in somebody's car somewhere along the line. And I get things like the hollers will come come around and, uh, you know, I've painted his face ship for him and done some other work on his car for him. He's called up when, Ken, I'm broken down. Can you come and get me? And I'll go get him. Nice. Or, you know, hey, we've got some problems. Can we come in and work on you? So my shop attracts a lot of people traveling. Yeah. And you did mention the fact that the show drove a lot of people to get their cars ready. Yeah. People that came to DeLorean Week in Las Vegas, 
who are coming from the other side of the country from specifically right, right. Ryan Foster is coming from North Carolina wants that he's drives back and forth across the country many times in his life. Right. Right. He and Don Dina are going to drive their DeLoreans across the country for DeLorean week in Las Vegas next year. And they started yeah. a, a thing saying, Hey, we're going to do a convoy. There's a, a surprising number of people that are saying, Oh, we'll meet you. We'll join you along the route. Yeah. Well, the cars were thought not to be reliable and they are. They are, yeah. They're running. They're reliable. Once, if they're taken care My of. My car's reliable. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure you. I bet yours is. But I think, but it, to your point, is that something like that is. You're right. It's going to drive people to go. Oh, if I'm going to go drive thousands and thousands of miles in a DeLorean, I better get it ready. So I've got a whole year to plan and prep and get it ready. And sounds like people are starting to get. You know, they're excited to do that kind of a drive. Uh, I'm thankful that there's people like Ryan Foster pushing that and putting it together because like you said it is a lot of work and most people will talk a good game but they won't actually do anything right it's, we've had 25 cars in the shop in one night wow where people come in for thursday to work on the cars and everybody kind of what i did is i started teaching people how to do certain jobs and so when it was on a car that person would work on that job no matter whose car it was right and that way we trained a number of people, more like especially like doing the brakes, doing the mode switch, things like that. Yeah. And we got people at the steering bushings. We had people that were kind of, they kind of like to do this job. They would do it. And uh, then we, you know, we had some people that are just really talented here that could do well. And Cliff was extremely talented. He ran a different shop than I did. I ran the, I'll call it a chop shop where we chopped the cars up and strip them down, get them back to the point that they're cleaned up. Mm -hmm. You know, then we might take them down to frame yeah. and then put them back together. Uh, Cliff's garage, on the other hand, we did more of the modifications, the fancier painting and powder coating. And uh, he had a dyno tester there and we did stuff like that. And he had a lift over there. I did not put a lift because I knew that if I put a lift, my shop was going to get inundated. Yeah. <laughs> I had no choice but put a lift in my shop, and which immediately I got inundated even more. <laughs> my fears were realized. <laughs> okay, so going back to your ownership, have you driven your car across the country, or have you driven a DeLorean across the country? No, I've got 10,000 miles on my DeLorean. And you bought it in what year again? 96? 1996, and it had 2,000. I think 830-some miles on it. Wow. You've only put 8,000 miles in the car in almost 30 years. On that car. On that car. How many have okay. you owned over the years? 50. You have bought and sold 50 DeLoreans. Wow. At least, yeah. I've lost count. I really don't know the exact number. But keep in mind, I gave away a DeLorean at every show. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, yeah. I raffled off a DeLorean at every show. Right. So I had to buy those. And fix them. Yeah, so yep. you're looking at there's 10 of them right there. Wow. We gave away the car. So there's 10 right there. And a number of them I bought and sold. And in, in a lot of cases, like in Philadelphia, I got a call one time. Hey, there's this guy. He's got two DeLoreans out here. And he wants to get rid of them. They're stuck in the dirt. Mm. And I go, what do you mean they're stuck in the dirt? They've sunk. They're buried. To the frame. To the axle. Yeah. So we took them. I mean, they were so rusted that I couldn't even get the lug nuts off. You know, oh. when we tried to take them off, we had to actually just cut them off. Wow. They were not coming off. Uh, we we got into that. Dave Tietelbaum calls me up, and I'm in Micro Center. He goes, I got this guy. He's got three DeLoreans, <laughs> and he wants to sell them to you for X number of dollars. And I went out there, and I bought all three of them. <laughs> There's five right there. Been around. Yeah, one of them is made now into the car that's the Back to the Future car that Universal uses. In Florida? So, yeah. Wow. That, that car was purchased from a friend of mine, and he's, you know, Universal uses it. Nice. So uh, they're happy with it. It sounds like you met John DeLorean and his brother. Oh, I've, I've met John a number of times, yeah. Any good stories about DeLorean? Had dinner with him at Fideli Scalini's at New Jersey, and uh, we had a, about a two-and-a-half-hour dinner. I was kind of interested in that. Instead of talking about DeLorean, he was more interested in talking about Smokey Eunuch. 
And I thought that was kind of interesting. Who's Smokey Eunuch? Smokey actually narrated one of his tapes, and you know he's into cars as well. Uh, it's too long to go into the whole story there, but <laughs> we'll do that some other time. He was a car guy, though. But okay, oh yeah, and well known uh, to my generation, not yours. But <laughs> you know he's one of the legends in, in cars. We go through. We went through talking about Fred Dallas and you know the uh, the turbos and things like that. And so we talked, you know, about a number of things. John was pumping the next car, the carbon fiber body car. This is going to be the next greatest DeLorean around. So, you know, he talked Smokey Eunuch. He talked carbon fiber car. He talked different things. Very little about the DeLorean. Yeah. Well, understandable. <laughs> so kind of interesting. Yeah, no, well, no, he loved the DeLorean. He sure. was just, he's just a person that's a visionary. He's always on to the next thing. You know, the DeLorean's already done. Yep. Let's talk about the next project. Yep. Very cool. So I thought that was kind of interesting. So I had many conversations with him on the phone. Uh, we talked with him a number of times when he was up to Cleveland. We had breakfast with him each morning and, and stuff. So I got a fair amount of t- time with him there. But uh, I was working uh, in Phoenix, Arizona, and I'm at work there. And uh, I get a call in the middle of the afternoon, and he just wanted to talk for a couple of hours. Wow. And I'm at work. It's like, God, can I call you back? <laughs> just a few more minutes. So it was kind of fun. How fun. So I had a couple of conversations there. Good connection. Good opportunity. Wow. John was personable to me, and he was great at the show. I'm you know, glad he made it. I, I've heard different reasons from John and that on why he didn't attend other shows. A lot of them had to do with health, mm-hmm. where he was not in good shape and didn't want people to know that he wasn't, you know, he had some issues uh, health-wise. You know, I told John, you're welcome at the show anytime. Nice. I wish I could have gotten him back again, but I only got him for the one. Yeah. But I'm the only one ever to have John DeLorean at a car show. And when he passed away, I'm the one that they asked to get cars up there. We ended up getting 30 cars up to his funeral. Wow. You've done so much. I'm, I have all different questions, but I don't know if there's is there favorite stories or anything that, that you enjoy. There's stories all over the place, <laughs> and depending on the day is the story. I mean, it's just kind of every, – every show has a story somewhere to it, and, you know, it, it's just kind of fun. Uh, like when we were in Memphis, that was probably the one show that I thought was going to end the show's we had a very bad first day. It was the only show that I had that didn't go over well at the first day. Hmm. We had to split the hotels because we had the Heartbreak Hotel. We bought the whole hotel. Then I had a Radisson Hotel there. So we had split guests. That was difficult to deal with. Yeah. It rained. It poured. Oh. It screwed up what we were going to do that day. So now I've got to move my dinner from where I was going to have it to inside the ticket booth place because we were going to have it outside on Graceland property. So now I have to change while registration is going on the entire dining venue and figure it out. On the fly. On the fly. Yeah. And then I find out that Ryan Pelton, who was my Elvis, was arriving and I didn't have anybody to get him. So I sent <laughs> Oliver Holler in the time machine to the airport to pick up that. And uh, we had Eric Gerding's sister and father singing on stage outside. It was just, a, she was on American Idol. Oh, wow. She was real good. So was he. And then we had Elvis pull up. And all this is going on while I'm trying to make <laughs> things work. Because it was pouring rain and split hotels. How funny. Yeah, well, actually, that was the next day when he pulled up and I had other things going on. But that one night, we had to change everything. And that did not go well <laughs> at all. We decided to hold back and not say that there was going to be another show. Oh, my wife and I decided that was it. It was wow. over. Uh, it, it didn't. You know, it was it was bad. I would have to thank you know a couple people for bailing us out. Uh, there was a few people that took the reins and just jumped in and tried to make the best of it, and it worked out. But the next night. We went to the Hollywood Casino in Tunica, which is about 35 miles away, and did our second night event there. That day, that whole day and the night went perfect, and everything went really, really good, and we decided to do the next show. (laughs) And then when we did the next show, 
we announced that it was going to be at Pigeon Forge. And all we could hear was Pigeon what? Pigeon who? Pigeon. <laughs> so you went from, in 2002, Memphis, that you thought that was going to be the end of the show. But then I've mm-hmm. heard a lot of people talk about the 2004 Pigeon Forge DCS yeah. as being a good one. Yeah, it wrecked three DeLoreans. Oh, no. Wait, the Memphis one or Pigeon three, Forge? Three, Pigeon Forge. Three, three DeLore- Actually, six DeLoreans were destroyed. What? Okay, I've not. I don't think I've heard that story. I heard Pigeon Forge was really good, a really good show. It was. It was a good show. Okay, uh, going out of Memphis, then. You know, like I said, Memphis did not go terribly well at the beginning. At the end, it did. We also had problems with the music at Memphis. They would not give us the copyrights to do music, and they turned me into the. Mu- I forget the name of it now. The music. Yeah. Um, company board. that has the right you have to you know sign up yep. and so they came after me and because I had Ryan Pelton an Elvis impersonator I tricked them <laughs> and did letting him get on there I said can I sing Elvis music and they said yes and I said okay so I can have somebody yeah great okay I'll get somebody to do Elvis songs and they were all happy with that then later on somebody said well can you tell us who after I had the contract <laughs> Okay, I made sure of that. I said, Ryan Pelton, no, he's an impersonator, not allowed on a property, period, done. <laughs> we had a lot of limitations. He was not allowed to wear an Army uniform. He was not allowed to wear any outfit that Elvis ever wore. Wow. So he had on this uh, white jacket, which made it look like the Hawaiian thing, but Elvis never wore that. So we had to do a certain outfit. They said if he can't shake his hips. He can't do this. He can't do that. So when he came in Oliver's car and got out, started singing, I had three lawyers sitting in the front (laughs) watching every move he made. Wow. After about 15 minutes, the lawyers left. And Marianne, who's in charge, said, you can do whatever you want. They love him. Nice. So Memphis turned out good. Yeah. And so like I said, Memphis was tough. Memphis, I had also issues with it. There was a lot of problems with that show. That being said, we decided to do Pigeon Forge, and what we had was nobody knew what Pigeon Forge was, and I thought it was going to be a great show, and I was right, of course, but (laughs) we started getting the cars. Well, going to the car show, there was two cars that got smashed. Uh, One got rear-ended, and the other backed into a fire hydrant while they were trying to wash the car for the show. At the show, Josh Haldeman, who was helping me, and this is supposed to be secret, but it's not. It's a worst-kept secret. His sister, who didn't drive a stick, was asked to move his car, which was sitting in front of a room. And she got in the car and turned it on, but it was in gear, and the car went. Jumped. And it went right through the window oh, no. over the air conditioning into the bed of the room. Wow. It made the headlines and DeLorean car show smash hit <laughs> with a picture of smash it. hit <laughs> oh yeah it was pretty good the line car show is a smash in, in pigeon forge or something to that effect <laughs> everybody was sitting there trying to figure out what's going on and it worked out best for everybody the people whose room it was were very upset that their room got smashed and they show up in the the lobby said, uh we have the room with the car in it uh what are you going to do about it the hotel gave them a luxury suite. Those people were very happy. <laughs> so they went from regular room to a luxury room. The hotel was happy because that room had given them problems. And now it's smashed. So they got a whole new room fixed for free right. <laughs> with the car going through it through the insurance company. So they weren't even upset with it. Plus, they got some from notoriety and attention. They the got paper. the press out of it. Yeah. Everybody was actually, this worked out just fine. (laughs) And then uh, one of the guys on the Dragon Run, there was a couple cars that were smashed up on that one. And it's ironic because the ones that got smashed up were local people that drive it every day. Oh, boy. It wasn't one of us people that were tourists. It was the locals (laughs) that smashed up the DeLorean and the rental car. In addition to that, we had those little model cars, the DeLorean little models Uh that you get. Yeah. People left them in their cars and they melted. So three DeLorean model cars were destroyed. So we <laughs> teased that six DeLoreans were six. smashed up that weekend. Wow. Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. I didn't know it got that hot out there. Yeah. It can get hot. It was just hot enough that the cars melted. <laughs> so of the 10 shows that you did, 
Yeah. Do you feel like sharing your favorite and your and your least favorite? The Memphis was the least favorite. <laughs> least you know, favorite. The, the, just because of the problems that I had. Yeah. It had nothing to do even even though I had problems with the Graceland. The Graceland people were good. We just it was the first time trying two hotels. It was the first time trying a number of things. They just didn't work. Yeah. The people didn't really see it, but some, well, it rained. There wasn't any room in the hotel. Then the hotel told us we couldn't stay in there because of fire marshal, which right. means we had to move the meal to inside from outside. We had to then get the table set up so they could move the people out of the hotel because you couldn't just send them out into the parking lot. Right. So, yeah, like I said, it was really a mess. Logistics-wise, not that people had a bad time. It was just logistics-wise, it didn't go the way you wanted Logistic it. Logistic-wise, it didn't work, you, yeah. you know, for me. There are other people who thought that was the greatest show in the world. It all depends. And it was hot then. Oh. And it was outside and it was hot. That's what made me think I'm going, the next show is going to be inside a convention center. So that's the show. Memphis is the one that got me to go and in, get into a convention center. Got it. So that was that. That was your, your least favorite. And then your most favorite. That's kind of hard to say because each show had something different. Obviously, the last show was the most entertaining. Uh, it was actually pretty easy to do. Uh, it was fairly local. I didn't have to haul a lot of stuff. So I kind of enjoyed that one. I enjoyed the Gettysburg show. That was huge. That was fun watching 10 cars go on a car transport and bring them all there. Wow. Uh, it had a lot of unique stuff that was there. So I enjoyed that one. The Cleveland show, obviously, with John uh, was, was kind of special. So, you know, there was something for everybody in that you know, for the shows. Mm -hmm. So pick a favorite or pick, you know, I mean, those are the, the three that stick out in my mind as being something special happened at them. Yeah. All, all the shows worked. Sure. You know, sure. Like said, even, even Memphis worked. I just had to work my butt off. I got no sleep. I did not go to bed the first night. I talked to you at this last DCS and again, the short amount of time that we had to chat, I, I really wanted to learn from you because things that you've learned from doing those big shows, I feel like can be applied to literally local car shows for local clubs. What advice do you have for people in their communities and the DeLorean, local DeLorean communities when they're trying to put on an event or come up with something, not the size of DCS, just for their own people? Well, they're doing it now. I mean, lots of people do it. And that's just the whole thing. Just do it. Uh, too many people talk and they don't do. Mm -hmm. and that's the worst enemy that you've got I don't know how many times I people say I will help you at the show and they get to the show and they do not help you Yeah, you've got to do what you say you're going to do and that's why I didn't go for a lot of volunteers because I didn't want to rely on that I, I ended up getting a crew consisted of Cliff and his family Josh, Mark Levy and his group absolutely excellent the uh, Arizona group they each took a phase of the show and made it their own. And that's where it works. They did what they're supposed to do. Yeah. I mean, I, while I made the show happen, they made the show. Yeah. You know, they might have done the obstacle course. They might have done the registration. And it goes on and on and on. I had problems after Memphis with the registration. Mark Levy took it over. He said, look, that's just too much for you to handle and set up and do this and do that, Yeah, which is correct at that point. I just gave it to him because that's what he wanted. Cliff wanted the stage. I gave Cliff the stage. And you trusted them. Obviously, there's that level that – I had you, to. You didn't do it the first time you met them. You, you knew these people. No. You trusted them. And when they said they'd take it, you could let them do it and know it yeah. was going to get done yeah. right. Yeah, right. But I always told them, remember, the show is going to be run. It's my money putting up. Because I had to put up between ten and $30,000 up front for these shows. People didn't realize that. And it's like, oh, you're charging this and you're charging that. Yeah, there's a lot of money. These shows were not cheap. Yeah. And I gave them better than average stuff. It was kind of interesting. Some of the food that they got was extremely good. The food at uh, in Chicago, St. Charles, that food was really, really well prepared. And one thing people don't realize, going back to Pigeon Forge, we had three tables set up with double access to it. So we had six lines to feed 450 people in a very short period of time. None of the food on those tables was the same. 
Oh, it wow. wasn't three identical tables. And the reason was the chef who was going to do the uh, car show quit the previous week. Oh. The guy that ran the Dallas Stadium was a friend of the Seaton's who owned the place. And he called the guy up and said, you know, the guys had been talking about, you know, retiring from the Dallas Stadium. And, and he was, you know, the head chef. And Ken Seaton said... I need help here. I got an event coming up. Can you come up and help me? He said, sure. So he's up there on Wednesday night. I'm up there on Wednesday night. There was kind of a little uprising with the hotel. The Smoky Shadows staff left, uh, walked out, and <laughs> the, and the chef, because they wanted you know pay raises, whatever, he uh-huh. owned 40 of the hotels. Uh, so we had some hotel issues. We had some other things. They did a great job of taking care of it and to compensate people. They gave us a free breakfast for three nights. You know, we had the orange juice and donuts and stuff free. So they, you know, they, they, they took tried. care of it. Nobody yeah. knew. It was fine. Yeah, nobody knows what's going on behind the scenes. They're there to enjoy the show. But I'm there on Wednesday night. We're feeding food Thursday. And he says, what am I supposed to have? Do you have the menus? And he looks at the menus. He says, there's no way I can do this menu. He says, but if you'll just allow me to do something for you, I'll promise you that it'll be nice and you'll be able to feed people and they'll be happy. And I said, fine. He went to the Kroger's that was there and there was no time to buy the quantity of food. Yeah. So he bought as much of anything that he could find and put it together. It was all (laughs) fresh, no frozen. And we had pork chops, we had fish, we had chicken, we had beef, we had, (laughs) you know, you name it. But there wasn't enough to feed any one person, all of it. So each table had something different. It was a single chef potluck. <laughs> yeah, it was. But awesome. they did a beautiful job on it. The tables looked nice. The, my wife did the desserts. They were at the end of the tables. The, the food was excellent. In fact, I was totally surprised because I thought we were going to have a really bad experience here. Uh, we did. It was perfect. Nice. And uh, that probably was one of the best presentation things. Uh, the best food, again, was probably in, in St. Charles, Chicago. That, that was a little bit different type of food, but you know, I, it'd be hard-pressed to say that there was much of a difference between the two. Yeah. And uh, the one thing I have to give to Rich in his things, I have always wanted to do a plated dinner, a more formal plated dinner mm-hmm. one night. I never could manage to do that in the price frame that I had. Right. It just, it was, it's like $10 extra per plate. Right. You got people serving you and everything. Yep. And I just couldn't get it to work. Looking to the future, I'm really, really, really hope you will consider going to the DeLorean Week in Las Vegas this next year. Oh, I plan to. I I planned on doing it this past year. I was supposed to be going with somebody else and it didn't work out last minute. And also I had the cancer. So I didn't get a chance to try to do the details beforehand. I wasn't really up to full speed and I didn't want to travel this one alone and it just didn't work. So my plans were to be out there. I'm one of the people that I never get sick. It can't happen to me. And one day I was in a, just a physical thing. They gave me one of these little colon take home kits. I did that, came out positive. I ignored it because I kind of didn't follow the instructions, figured I got a false positive. I went and got the colonoscopy anyway. I came out positive. And it was so bad that they said I'd had it for seven years, roughly, and that it had to be operated on immediately. They went ahead. Two weeks later, I was in the hospital, and that was it. So I guess my word of advice, and I'm using this as a message, don't be dumb like I was. Get your colonoscopies when you're supposed to. I've already saved probably, well, two people for sure. I have saved two people from possible death. They went and got their colonoscopies because of what I did. And two of them found out they had cancer too. And there's probably about eight or nine people that I've talked to that have had to go get them that would not have normally, fortunately, just two out of them. One of them right now has cancer. He is on chemo and his prognosis is 50-50. The other one's was early enough that they caught it. Wow. So uh, don't delay. Use me as the example. I felt great. I didn't think there was anything wrong, but I, and I didn't feel a thing. And that's the silent killer. Yeah. 
I'm glad that you're doing well and you're over the cancer. So am I. Yeah. Well, I met you at the last DCS. I assume you'll be at the next Mm -hmm. DCS as well. I'll be out next year. I definitely will. Awesome. I don't know that everybody knows who you are, and I... The main reason I know who you are is because of DCS. And then as I've become friends with Kevin Crin, who you've worked with a lot mm-hmm. on his car, I've heard a lot about you. And I'm a history nerd, so that's why I wanted to get your story on DCS. And you've been around a long time. I'll give you a story on Kevin. <laughs> okay. Kevin is funny because he came to me and he wanted a car, but he didn't have the money at the time, which is true for some of his agents and everything. Right. And so I said, I got a car here I can build for you. So I'll have the money on such and such a time, blah, blah, blah. Again, no problem. The money never was an issue. But the thing is, Kevin, once he started the build starting, wanted that build to end and get the car in his hand. <laughs> and we went through a whole bunch of stuff. He wanted to do the fancy stuff. The digital dashboard stuff. The problem is it gets in, it gets in the way of what I'm doing. Right. I can only put the car together so far before it, it has to go back and forth to his place. So he got his car. It's still not complete yet. I still owe him some stuff on the car. I still have to fix his air conditioning and stuff, but I couldn't get his air conditioning because he has crap in the way. Right, all the computer parts. And we had a leak in the evaporator, and I had to take his dash apart again to get the evaporator out, (laughs) which turned out to be a real pain in the butt. So Kevin got his car, but he's the only guy I built the car for that was not stock because I only sell cars stock so that I know they're going to work and that I don't have any issues. Yeah. His car has had all sorts of little things here and there because, Hey, this isn't working. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, but it's your wires. You know? right. <laughs> yeah. But where does these wires go for those wires? <laughs> I don't have his wiring memorized. Right. So when something doesn't work, I don't know where the short is. Yeah. And we went, we tried to track something down one time. I knew what had to be wrong, but because of the wiring, it was nowhere near where I thought it was going to be. <laughs> yeah, he's done a lot of changes. Yeah, finding things. And I don't want to tear things apart because I don't know how to put it back together. So when he gets it, <laughs> hey, this isn't working. It's just sorry. You know, I don't know how it works. It was kind of funny. I've enjoyed working with Kevin. Nice. For those that haven't seen Kevin's car, uh, crintech.com, K-R-I-N-N-T-E-C-H.com. There's at least one photo there, but he replaced the binnacle, or the binnacle is still there, but he replaced the dashboard with a digital screen. And then he put a center console that kind of looks like a Tesla, big touchscreen in the middle there. All the lights are computer controlled. He's done a lot of stuff to that car. So I can understand why it was hard for you to build that car because he was trying to do all that stuff while you were building it instead of doing it after. Right. I never could check, you know, like, how do I do the turn signals when they're going through his computer? Right. <laughs> I don't know that the lights work. You know, I mean, I can, I can light the light up. Yeah. But I don't know if everything's working right. Right. You know, because I don't have access to that computer. <laughs> Because he's working at it, uh, working on it up there. I got a car with wires that disconnect, <laughs> and yeah. I can't check everything out. So nice. he, oh, well, this doesn't work. This, and then we got to figure it out. Yeah. So it was, it was a challenge, but I mean, it's worked out, and uh, you know, Kevin's done a great job. Yeah. Well, Ken, uh, I could honestly probably talk to you for another hour. I really appreciate your time. Mm, someday, give me a call back. Do you have any other favorite memories? Like I said, there's so many different things that go on. The, the, I think the one thing, though, that, that really helped push this along was the groups. And the groups are important. And I have a feeling that just recently, since uh, between the economy and you know 2008 to 2014, and then the politics and stuff, I don't think these groups are as tight as they used to be. Yeah. They used to be very, very tight. They've given up the group and the inner contact and social for online. And it's not the same as hands-on. It's just not the same. I agree with you to a point, but basically nothing was going on in Southern California. It was a couple of parades a year. And I got tired of not having a community. So I Mm -hmm. started the Orange County DeLorean Club and we had two tech days that had 14 DeLoreans show up. Yeah, and that's great. Uh, You're doing exactly what I just said. You're getting people together. 
that's what needs to happen. I, I totally agree. And the Brandies with Las, you know, DeLorean Week in Las Vegas, people keep coming back. And it is such a fun, relaxed event. Uh, I love DCS for being as structured as it is. I love it. But I also love the way they do DeLorean Week in Las Vegas because it's so relaxed that you have a chance to visit and talk and you get to know people. So that's – I feel like, yes, oh, yeah. the internet changed things. People kind of disconnected. But now I feel like people are coming back together for some of these events. DCS is always great, and DeLorean Weekend is great, and all the local clubs. This is why I love doing this show is talking to people, hearing what they're doing in their in their local area. And I want to get all the club leadership around the world to get on the show to help other people be inspired. Say, oh, you guys are doing a poker runs or you're doing car shows, whatever it is, to get people to come out. Because there are so many cars yeah. that are out there, and there's a lot of owners that – even though the internet is out there, they don't know who to reach out to. I still find people don't even know who I am. They're less than five miles from my shop. <laughs> I, I'm working on a car right now that the guy brought it in. I don't remember how he heard about me, but all of a sudden this car shows up. I'm having a problem with my car. Oh, okay. Where do you live? Oh, just down the street. <laughs> how long have you had the car? Since 1986 <laughs> or 87. And there's numerous ones like that. We have uh, another guy up by Liberty Township. One day out of the clear blue, I get a phone call. I got a car. It doesn't work. Brings it down. We get it working. It's working now. I hardly see him anymore because it's working. Because <laughs> it's working. Yeah, but he does come. When I ask him to show up, he's appreciative, and he does show up at, at my events You know, when I, when I need the cars. We have that, but... A lot of people, once the cars got working, they went off on their own, and I never saw them again. Yeah. Bad for business, good for the community. Mm -hmm. uh, you'll still be there when they need you. Something that I forgot to ask up front. <laughs> where Where do you live now? I live – my main address is in Cincinnati, Ohio. I also live in uh, Celebration, Florida. Got it. Well, Ken, I'm always thankful that people take the time and – I've been uh, begging you for the last year or longer, and I'm thankful. We haven't you... been begging. We've agreed. We just haven't connected. <laughs> we, yeah, we, the time hasn't worked out, and I'm I'm really excited to have you. And if you anything I can ever do, let me know. And I'm looking forward to seeing you next year in Vegas. And uh, who knows? Maybe you'll join the convoy coming out if you feel like yeah, driving. Well, I've really fun. enjoyed working with the DeLoreans all these years. I've manufactured tons of parts for these things, which you guys are still using today. <laughs> and it's just one of those things I've enjoyed doing. It's time for the next generation to take over, which is why I gave it to Rich. Uh, hopefully your generation, somebody there will take it and run with it, especially in California. You've got so many cars. Yeah. You can get people to show up. That would be great. Yeah. Well, DeLorean Week in Las Vegas definitely is pulling from California. It's It's been a lot of fun. Thanks again, Ken. Yeah, well, thanks for you guys listening to me for this podcast. <laughs> if you want me to come back on, just let them know. I'll be glad to. Awesome. And if you want to ask him questions to ask me, that's okay, too. Awesome. That would be great. All right. Don't forget to submit your DeLorean census record on DeLoreanDirectory.com slash census. Spread the word. Let everybody know what's out there. DeLorean Directory has tons of information, uh, links to every other site that I can find out there, and... Uh, lots of lots of info. So uh, start planning an event in your area and let us know and we'll promote it here. Drive safe.